I'm Maureen Vallatori, and this is Spilled Salts, a podcast about the thrills and spills from the food, beverage, and agriculture industries. Today's guest is Dan Rayo. He's the CEO of Healthier Way Foods and the president of Assured Edge Solutions, uh, which is a powdered custom co-packer based in the heart of the Finger Lakes in Geneva, New York. I brought Dan on uh, as a person to interview through this podcast because I love his philosophy on collaboration and the way that he has approached building his business, bringing on clients who he sees as partners in the way that um, he works with them. And it's a really similar to philosophy to what we do here at 29. So enjoy the discussion. Welcome, Dan. Um, so I want to have us get started with a little bit of your your entrepreneurial story. So like many, you've taken a bit of a winding path to get to where Shirt Edge Solutions is today. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I came out of college with uh, environmental science and biology double major, and there was absolutely no jobs in that field when I came out. So uh, and when, when was that? That was way, way, way back uh, in 1994. Okay. So um, the cell phone boom was happening. So I got into cell phones, selling them, kind of made a fortune uh, at that age, you know, a 20-year-old fortune. Right. Um, and then some friends of mine and I decided to build a wireless network around uh, Rochester, Buffalo, and Syracuse. So if you had a business or a home and you had line of sight to one of our towers, you could get wireless Wi-Fi um, way ahead of its time. So, huh. yeah, so that did okay. And then we were contacted by a defense contractor, a big one, General Dynamics, um, to start building cellular rooftop builds uh, all around New York State. So we hired a crew and started scaling and putting up towers and all that stuff. And because they were a defense contractor, they kind of let us down towards Washington, D.C., um, mm-hmm. and we opened up another company, and we were a secure contractor for the NSA, where we did some spooky classified stuff with cell phones. Um, it was just mm-hmm. a bunch of yahoos from you know upstate New York with a lot of bright engineers from down in the D.C. area, and uh, really just took a liking to that government work. So... Mm-hmm. One of my clients there was Harris RF, uh, who's here in Rochester, and they wooed me to come back to the city, to Rochester, where my roots are, and I ran uh, parts of a classified sales division there until uh, my entire group lost our foothold within the company. We were kind of got yep. off in a different direction. The company was moving into bigger, better things with their radios, so mm-hmm. they cut all of us. Um, put me at a loss, because I was building widgets for the U.S. government. Uh, having a great time doing custom things, being really cool people, uh, both internally at the company and externally with the customers. And I was kind of at a crossroads. So don't know if you know this part, but I took a job and I had, so I had a lot of job offers to go back to, to DC and mm. uh, I didn't want to do it. I guess my wife and I went down there to look at homes again and my car battery melted down. And I took that as a sign from the universe that I yeah. was not <laughs> going to spend the rest of my life in DC traffic. So and what um, was the, just to get like the right frame of mind there, because my husband recently lost his job. What was the home situation then? You mentioned you were married. Did you have kids yet at that two, point? Yeah, we had two toddlers at home. One was, uh, Francesca was maybe a year or two old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Helena was a couple years older. So, you know, the only 
saving graces, I had a nice payout and I spent the summer home with them, chasing them around, but yeah, you're scared oh, nice. to death. You're scared to death yeah, for sure. when that happens. So rather than moving back to DC, I took a, a job in optics and photonics for a year and a half. Uh, I like to say it was my square peg round hole mm-hmm. um, portion of my life. Uh, nothing to blame on the optics side, nothing to blame on the Dan side, just a bad fit. So mm-hmm. I decided at that point in time, I was just going to spin out on my own and start my own consulting company and go do fun things that I like to do. Uh, maybe shave a little less, maybe wear a few more pairs of jeans, uh, and get out there and be the people person that I am with the sales background that I had. So started consulting um, on the business side, more on the sales end, you know, helping, helping companies grow their sales uh, with all the knowledge that I had being in big corporate. Mm. And then fell backwards into this company that was taking apple waste from a juice company and they were drying it and they were selling it as a dog food ingredient uh, into big dog food, pet food companies. And I just absolutely fell in love with the idea and helped them get into human grade sales. And then one day the light went on. I was standing in front of Snyder's Lance Pretzels. They're a group of uh, food R&D chefs and all that Mm -hmm. um, touting the benefits of sustainable, sustainably harvested, so crop that was damaged, mm-hmm. gluten, gluten-free sweet potato flour. Like, you should put this in your pretzels. And the light went off, Marina. I said, you know what? Dan, you're an idiot. You're selling this for <laughs> pennies on the dollar. You should start your own brand and sell this into retail. So, And when was I'll, this? Like, like? oh, geez. That was, how many uh, years post-graduation or how long ago was it? It was 2012. Okay. So I'd been bouncing around for a little bit from, you know, 94 graduation to that point. Well, I shouldn't say bouncing. Had a, had a career. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It all contributes. Completely different. Yeah. Um, so I formed a, a company called Healthier Way Foods as a, as a, well, first I started Assured Edge back in 2012 as a consulting company. Then I spun off a second company called Healthier Way Foods. And I landed my first client, which was Wegmans, uh, with a gluten-free sweet potato pancake mix and a gluten-free sweet potato baking flour. We got him into nature's marketplace. Um, the mayor of Rochester, Frank Cavallaro, made that, <laughs> made that introduction for me. And it's kind of a cool story. So the head of nature's marketplace at the time for Wegmans was a person by the name of Tim Mahan, who's now the head of Frozen and a bunch of other things at Wegmans. But mm. Frank set up lunch. I brought my product. Uh, Tim Mahan said, hey, my family's gluten-free. I'll bring the pancake mix home this weekend, if my kids eat it, I'll call you on Monday. If they don't, never call me again. So he called and on what, Monday. And what was <laughs> so, your feeling there? Like, were you thinking, oh, oh, I'm so confident. This is gonna be great. I have no doubts. Or were you kind of panicking a bit? I was panicking a bit, but I was yeah. optimistic because it, you know, it was my first real opportunity to sell it. And it was with a hometown grocer in Wegmans. And I yep. had an in with Frank and I felt, yeah, I could do this. But yep. that's, that's when reality hit for me. Um, they said, yes. And we put it in the stores and we got it to all 100 Wegman stores. And then we got it out nationally to a bunch of other chains. And I realized I hated selling into retail. It's not my thing. I lost my face. I lost the smile because it's just so hard to coordinate shipping and do all this mm. stuff. What I really liked was the processing and the co-packing side. And I also, at the same time, was finding it hard to find a processor co-packer to make sure. the s- small batches I needed. So... Um, Bill Strasberg from Wegmans and Leah Perkins from Wegmans, 
mm-hmm. um, showed me this this spot in Geneva and said, hey, you want to put a factory in, this is the place to do it. And you know, we learned about Cornell and the food mm-hmm. ecosystem that's down here in Geneva, and it just kind of took off from there. So that's my- So talk, talk about river. that a little bit. Yes. And I have a couple questions about that path along the way, but talk about where you are, because that is a really unique place where you are in the tech farm. Why is that so unique and why was it such a perfect fit for what you were trying to do? Yeah. So first of all, I walked in and it had everything that I needed in terms of structure. It had the washable Mm -hmm. walls. It had floor drains. It had a ton of electrical jobs from the company that was in here before. And I knew that I was going to be custom and I was going to need to put in custom machinery and custom this and that. So it, it was a blank, empty sl- slate that I could start with. Mm-hmm. Couple that with, it was right, it is right next door to the head of food science and food safety in the country for from Cornell, literally yeah. a stone's throw across the parking lot. So if I wanted to launch a new product from Wegmans and I needed to get approval from Cornell to say that it was food safe, that's mm-hmm. the place to do it and they're right next right. door. Couple mm-hmm. that with, you have all these un- other food entrepreneurs in this area um, right. and, and businesses associated like yours, right? So you, mm-hmm. you have this foothold and this knowledge in this food eco space that yep. I would dare say most other marketing uh, companies don't have. You get it. Like you totally understand. Right. So do all the other companies around here. So we're able to work mm-hmm. together and collaborate. So you kind of got this feeling like you were mm-hmm. welcome here and you were welcome to mm-hmm. develop these new products as fast as you could. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's great. I want to go back to, you had said you got, I think it's really unique for a food company, their first deal to be Wegmans, right? And that is the power of Frank Cavallero, who hopefully will be a future guest on the podcast. I, I bow um, down to, yeah. Right? Exactly. Don't we all? Um, and then to go national from there. I mean, that's the dream that a lot of food brands are aiming for. What was it Talk more about what was it that you didn't like? What did, what did you said you hated it? That's a pretty passionate word. Yeah. What did you not like about that? I think, uh, well, you know me well enough to know uh, I'm a passionate person and I'm driven by that passion. And that is my soul. It's the mm-hmm. making yeah. things happen. It's the mm-hmm. relationships with people and companies and doing good work. And I felt like getting it launched nationally, um, I was pigeonholed into just negotiating shipping rates and stocking Mm. fees and all these things that I did in a former life. I negotiated Mm -hmm. contracts. I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, I I wanted to go in the direction of the entrepreneur and you know, the the face, the customer facing side of it. And that's Mm -hmm. what I missed. So, you know, it was, it was just not fun anymore. And it Mm -hmm. might be a strong word, but I I loathed it. I still hate scheduling trucks. It's not my favorite thing. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's one of the things about the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that if you have the ability and the, you give yourself the time and space to be reflective, right. And pay attention to what you like and don't like about what you're doing, then when it's your thing, you can make that pivot, you know, and you could hear and listen and pay attention to, well, I really like the production side of this, but the distribution part of it is not for me. So I'm going to lean into this side. One of the other things I love about your story too, is that you had once told me about how you had gotten a big deal with Wegmans with the spiraled um, zucchini, right? Um, And that everyone in your company was up and cheering and celebrating. And you said, hold on one, hold on a minute. We got to set some parameters on this deal. So I'd love for you to tell that story because I think it's helpful for, 
entrepreneurs to understand that just because you've got the power, the partner has the power doesn't mean that you can't also, you know, bring your voice yeah. to the table. Can you tell that story? Yeah, I felt, so I felt like, so that whole group at Wegmans that moved over from nature's marketplace, they moved into frozen and they were creating a renaissance with frozen, which was mm -hmm. great. So we launched, we got ahead of uh, green giant. We developed uh, spiraled veggie noodles, figured out how to freeze them and thaw them with Cornell, got them into a package into my brand in six months from napkin sketch. We were on store shelves in the frozen aisle at Wegmans under my brand. That is wild. Her Herculean effort. Flew to Italy, bought the last two spiralizers on the planet at the time put him in a friend's factory in Syracuse, taught him how to freeze food and do all that stuff in six months. So we had this gathering where um, executives from Geneva and Wegmans and my company and other places were gathered. Everyone was hooting and hollering. And I called a timeout and I said, <laughs> can you define the word partnership to me? And everyone stopped clapping and, and kind of swallowed and said, what, what's this guy doing? And I said, I just, I just want you to know what I went through to get you to have mm. this, this round of applause and to get you the revenue that you're going to make off these noodles. I put my house up, you know, as collateral to buy this machinery, um, to buy the packaging, to do, do all, to buy all the vegetables up front. I'm mm -hmm. holding all the risk. Right. I'm even holding the brand. It's my brand. It's not even under the Wegmans brand. So I want you to think long and hard Wegmans about what it takes from this side to get to this point. And they heard me, I think. Yeah. Um, you know me, I'm not afraid of anything. I was a little afraid to make that statement, but I wanted to put a pin in the ground and say, mm -hmm. this is what I did. This is what Dan Rayo did and, and my company did for you. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do for me? You know, better yeah. terms, all these things. And I think entrepreneurs need to understand that, that there are humans on the other side of that fence. Right, right. Most of them don't have the experience that we have of creating these products, but they ought mm -hmm. to learn it. Mm hmm. Yeah. And what so that that sounds like a, a really important moment for, you know, to for you to define partnership, which I know is a cornerstone of who you are. So what was what were some of the outcomes that you got out of that, you yeah. know, kind of stake in the ground? Yeah, the, the, the team, the frozen team at Wegmans was fantastic to work with. Mm -hmm. We had open and frank conversations about challenges of getting, you know, frozen Brussels sprouts across the Atlantic from Belgium, mm -hmm. yeah. how hard that is, how hard it means yeah. to put the word organic in front of things mm -hmm. and just had a very open relationship with them to understand the challenges that we had. And then they put some back on us, you know, Hey, this product mm -hmm. isn't selling. What, what can we do different? Can we change mm -hmm. the size Great. of the yeah. bag? Very collaborative. And, and I didn't mm -hmm. expect it to happen, but it did. And uh, they've, mm -hmm. they've been a great partner to work with. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. So I want to talk more about that concept of partnership and collaboration, because I know how important that is to you in all aspects of your business. Mm -hmm. So can you can you speak to some examples about how you've incorporated the concept of collaboration into the company? I think one great example is your team mm -hmm. um, and any any thoughts that you want to share about kind of your approach to that concept of partnership and collab? Yeah. So. Um business owner to business owner, this is our kingdom, right? This was our idea. We're the only mm -hmm. ones that understand what it is in our heads that we want to be in the end. We try to articulate it to the team, but we're the ones that, that hold that. And I remember mm -hmm. when I was in optics and photonics, I'll get to your point in a minute. We were on a bus in an airport and the business owner said to me, you know, you're just not as passionate uh, as I am about this business. And I said, I, I mm -hmm. never will be. I don't own right. it. It's just not the same. 
And mm -hmm. I, I told him that as a former business owner, like I, I, I'll never have the feelings towards this company like I would if I owned it. That's a, mm -hmm. um, I got really lucky with the word partnership. Um, I ran into this guy named Kier Meisner, who <laughs> was dying on the vine at his job. Um, big brain, you know, came out of college at Duke as a rocket scientist, worked for Ford Motor Company, got his MBA um, from Cornell in marketing, uh, ran clinical divisions of Johnson & Johnson and Bosch and & Lomb. And when I met him, he was executive director of marketing at the University of Rochester Simon School. And he just mm -hmm. felt like he was dying on the vine. So a friend at Wegmans, his wife, introduced me to him and said, you guys should meet. And I thought, what am I going to do with this dude? Look at this resume. You're, smart, yeah. you're smarter than me. You're better looking than me. And you make a lot more money than me. <laughs> what am I going to do with you? And he mm -hmm. said, he said these words, I just want to do good work. And mm -hmm. it resonated with me. And I said, you know what? You're right. So we worked out a way to kind of slowly bring him on board. And it's been the best partnership that I could have ever written up in any business plan. He comes at things from here. I come at things from here, but we always totally. meet in the middle, but we have the same goal. Do good mm -hmm. work, do good yeah. work, do good work and yep. surround yourself with good people and good customers. So when we come across uh, our employees who say, Hey, it looks like we need somebody new to hire. Do you mind if I refer somebody? Absolutely. I've had Lily right. here. I've had Lily here since 2017 when I opened this factory. Of course, I'm going to trust her judgment, and it always works out. We've embraced mm -hmm. their families. We've embraced their heritage. We've um, been able to teach them English and Spanish to those that couldn't read and write. But it's all yeah. surrounding ourselves with doing something good. So for us to use the word partner, it has to feel right. It has to mm -hmm. be part of that story, part of that Dan and Kier story, part of that Dan employee story much like, you know, working with your team, it just felt right. You know, you guys right. got it. And I think you'll understand the way I say this, you're on the same frequency as us. So mm -hmm. I always feel like we're humming along here and people are up here or they're down here. And what did I do? Why am I so different? And then you come across people that are at the same vibe or the same frequency. Yes. Like, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what's important to me, whether it's a customer yeah. or a business partner, um, or someone that wants to collaborate on something, we have to feel that. If I don't feel it, we don't do it. Totally agree. We've we've made a big shift in how we bring clients on at 29 um, to really introduce conversations about um, core values much earlier in the discussion. And that has really helped us make sure that once we get to an agreement on the terms, what are you looking for? How can we help you? You know, do we feel like we're a good fit? When we have those conversations earlier on, it just makes, it's not a negotiation, it's an alignment, right? It's, uh, it's an alignment. everybody's on the, yeah, exactly. Um, so couldn't agree more. And, and I agree that there are people who run their businesses in very different ways and probably have very different outcomes. Maybe they're making millions and millions of dollars, who knows? Um, but I would much rather live a life of quality and do work that I'm, you know, I'm happy to come to work every day. My team is happy to come to work yes. every day. Yeah. So in that vein of working with great people, doing great work, you've got some impressive brands that you're you're working with. I mean, huge national brands, Momofuku and Burlap and Barrel. How did you how did you broach that? How did you get them in as clients of Assured Edge? Me <laughs> trying to go out there originally, um, swinging for the fences. We had a when we started the company, when we started the factory, obviously we had our own product and we had a couple of others. 
Um, and it's just about taking chances and believing in yourself. So going back to even Wegmans, you know, I knocked on their door and said, you guys have that organic farm down there in Candagua mm-hmm. and you put wheatgrass on as a cover crop. Well, wheatgrass is a booming superfood powder right now. Why don't, mm, we har- yeah. why, don't we, why don't we harvest it, dry it, and I'll cope and powderize it, and I'll put it in a pouch for you. You can sell as Wegmans wheatgrass powder. And they said, oh, my God, yeah. So the story kind of got out from there. Went to Love Beets locally mm-hmm. here and said, what are you doing with your beet waste? Let's make beet powder. And yeah. kind of started getting my confidence on going to that. And then just started to reach out to some of the different custom spice brands out there. And, and Burlap was one of the first that we targeted. Mm. And we just hit it. We just hit it off. They have their whole social enterprise thing that they're doing yep. with single origin spices. And it resonated with me. Um, and we kind of got lucky. They, uh, Ethan is a former chef and he's got really good connections. And he just kept referring folks over to us. And we grew our relationship with Cornell. I look that way because the building's over that way. Yeah. <laughs> we're on their website. So people found us. Mm. And we're unique. Like someone like Momofuku has a really complicated process to make their their spices, and we were able to do it. And I don't think mm-hmm. many people would take that on because um, it's risky. But the reward right. the reward is you have that beautiful brand and connections mm-hmm. to, you know, all of the chefs that they know. So we've kind of become this yeah. niche, custom mm-hmm. spice manufacturer, which is exactly what I want to be. I don't want to be McCormick mm-hmm. spices. No offense, right. McCormick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always say the day that I go completely automated is the day I sell the company because I do believe yeah. it's our people uh, and our methodology mm-hmm. that makes it unique. Why those, those chefs keep coming to us and mm-hmm. it's great. You know, they're, they're a fun bunch to work with uh, chefs, especially if they're a celebrity, they are definitely yeah. set in their ways, but we get it and it's yeah. a trial and error of making it happen. And I think they appreciate that. Yeah, that's great. I know that speaking to that, like you're talking about custom and niche. And one of the things that's unique about Assured Edge is all your machinery is on wheels, right? So that you can move stuff around to truly be that niche custom solution for what people are looking for. Yeah, because everyone comes through and yeah, we're a spice manufacturer and a spice co-packer, but everyone's got different packaging. Everyone's got yep. some different nuance to how they have it, want to have it chopped mm-hmm. or milled or whatever. And we need to be able to adjust to that. At the same time, mm-hmm. you know, we're looking at ways to streamline some of our regular customers to take stuff off of wheels to dedicate mm. some, some lines to them to get them yeah. more efficient because a, a big mm-hmm. part of it is changeover. So when we have a large customer mm. that we've been working with for a long time, uh, come to us and ask us, Hey, would you guys be willing to do this and this and this to streamline? Of course they want to get their costs down. We're open yep. to doing that too. Yeah. Right. And that's right. part yeah. of, that's part of the entrepreneurial spirit, right? You, you have your, you have your business plan. Here it is. <laughs> and then here it is the next day. Because you got to right. make changes, and then here's <laughs> yeah. the next day, and it, you know the core yeah. is the same, but the outliers are different, right? Uh, and you know we have to grow and change with the times. So yep, yep. Have- and efficiency helps you be more profitable, which helps you be able to do more and support your team more and pay them better, and you yep. know add upgrades and upgrade equipment and all of that stuff. So really, you know, it just makes good business sense too. Yeah, and the wheels are probably. You know, it's a great analogy and it is true. And we think we have it on our website, but that's kind of the, the Dan part of it, right? Like moving stuff around and trying new things. And yeah. you never know when you're going to get that customer that takes off, like Burlap right. and Burrow. Um, yeah. You know, they're on Shark Tank and doing all those things. And I feel very proud that yeah. we helped them from their humble beginnings to, to where they are now. Yeah. Yeah. And they there help, is a lot of pride helped us. in that. They've helped us too. 
of course. Yeah, yeah, right. To that point of collaboration. Has your, has that, your collaborative approach to relationships, business, has that ever gone wrong? Yeah, it has. I think um, you learn, you learn to, t- to trust your, your spidey sense. Um, mm-hmm. I tend to give customers a lot of rope. Um, and sometimes it comes back and tangles around your neck. Um, because the, I was just going to say, my the, husband loves to say enough rope to hang yourself with. Yeah, I didn't want to say that quite on video, but that's, that's what <laughs> I meant. Um, you learn to trust and, you know, well, you learn not to trust maybe. Um, you trust a mm. little too much to begin with. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there that take and don't give. Um, so sometimes it does come back to bite you. But as a whole, I'd say it's been 90% successful. And you just have to learn mm-hmm. to, t- to trust your gut. Yeah. Yep. And you know, it was hard during COVID because you couldn't, you couldn't do the face to face. Yeah. And I think growing up the way I grew up in a, you know, very Italian family where everything was in your face, Right. you learn how to read people and read, read situations very well. And doing this Mm -hmm. uh, to get new business was tough even to maintain. Mm -hmm. Right. We we both went through as business owners. Like, Oh my gosh, it's Mm -hmm. tough. Yep. Absolutely. What's next for AES? Expansion as always, um, you know, we're in a great spot in this building, but we're a little bit hamstrung by the size. Mm-hmm. Um, you're here. You see that we fill up the hallways. Um, you know, we wanted to put a new building up, but just financially post COVID with the cost of materials, just like the yeah. housing market, not worth it right now. So mm-hmm. looking to creative ways to create more space for us in here and add more machinery, add more mm-hmm. people to do different things. You know, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe get into some roasting because we don't roast today. We, we dice, dehydrate, mm. uh, mill and do all kinds of stuff. Maybe we'll get into roasting. Yeah. Maybe we'll do some custom liquid fills, um, mm-hmm. you know, batchy stuff like that, but, but growth, I want to mm-hmm. add more people. Yeah. I, love, I love going out there and seeing all the smiling faces and, mm-hmm. you know, we just added a couple new people and it's just fun to watch them grow. Yeah. That's awesome. It really is. Would you ever consider a second shift? I mean, wouldn't that, what are your thoughts on that? Wouldn't that double, what you're currently doing? Yeah. Um, that's a tough one though. I think it, it depends on the labor pool. Um, mm. you know, a lot of our folks that are here and the reason that we're successful is they have families and they work hard for their right. families, right? Asking yep. them to go away from their families counteracts a little bit about what we do. Yeah. Um, we've talked about it a lot, but I, <laughs> I like the vibe we have. I'd be afraid if we mm-hmm. went to second shift, nothing against that. I've, I've done it in my past. I've worked second mm-hmm. shift even third shift, um, mm-hmm. maybe we lose some of that family aspect that we're trying to incorporate here. Yeah. And that's the challenge of growth, right? Is being able to, like you're saying, listen to your spidey sense, follow your gut, you know, kind of listen and see sort of the future in a bit, right. In terms of what the, the atmosphere is telling you that you kind of have to decide that together of, is this the right choice or not? And you kind of, you know, that's part of the hard part of entrepreneurship is making those decisions. Yeah. And I think we're lucky we've, we've had our businesses in place long enough. We being you and I, that mm-hmm. we can spot trends. We can feel trends. Right. We can mm-hmm. feel panic moments and we can feel like when we really got to start planning for the future. Yeah. We didn't have that a year one, year two, year three. Right. Right. Um, now we have a sense of it. So you have to listen to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a trade-off, right? It's always a trade-off. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd love to streamline and put something automated in, but that means I have one less person out there. Um, one less car, uh, one less Mm -hmm. story, one less person to talk to and watch grow. 
So it's, it's kind of yeah. a tough thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Anything else that you want to share that I didn't ask you about today that you think would be good for this audience of kind of startups, entrepreneurs, and food bevanag that would be good lessons or good kind of key takeaways for them? Hmm. I think we should get together more. I think mm, like in person yeah, get togethers kind of thing. Entrepreneurs, uh, business yeah. owners, whether it's a marketing mm. company or a food manufacturer, we're in the same <laughs> mindset. Right. Why, you know, again, I don't want to blame COVID for that, but. Mm-hmm. I used to do a lot more of it. I felt, and mm. now I've, now I've grown accustomed to. Eh, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll meet that person tomorrow. Yeah, uh, I think this this format is great for us to see who else is out there doing things, and it's a great way for us mm-hmm. to to meet. I and mm-hmm. I welcome it because I could learn something from every single one of you out there. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, that's great. So we'll have to we'll have to see when we can do spilled salt the the ha- person the happy kinda. hour version. Yeah, great. I'm down. You bring the drinks. I'll I'll bring the people. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Spilled Salt. I'm Maureen Balatori. For more information about the podcast, visit www.29designstudio.com. If you have questions for me, you can submit them through the contact form on the website. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.